For scripture reading, we turn to Acts chapter 16. about events that took place during uh, Paul's second missionary journey where they went also into what we would refer to now as Europe. And we begin at verse 1. Paul, as you recall, went with Silas on this, on this second journey. Acts 16, starting at verse 1. And came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there, named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of all the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. For they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia... After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a, vi- and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision... Immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. 
And he came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the sergeant, saying, Let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this, saying to Paul, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. So far we read from the Holy Scriptures this morning. And the text we consider are verses 14 and 15. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. 
Dearly beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, we consider a passage this morning from the book of Acts and take note of a, n- a number of things. On the one hand, as often I've been the case, I've uh, preached in the book of Acts or in the epistles, making reference of instruction that we have there concerning the work of missions. And we have instruction such as the instruction concerning missions here in this very passage concerning the idea that God directs his people, his servants, where he would have them to go. That's one of the things that's striking about the chapter that we read is that the Spirit forbade them to go certain places. They were wanting, they were thinking of going one direction. No, that was not the direction they were going to go. They thought of another. That was not the direction they were supposed to go. So they go straight towards Troas, and then God guides them into Macedonia, and then there they meet Lydia and the Philippian jailer. And that was God's plan. That they would meet her, and that they would meet the Philippian jailer, and we read of the work of the Spirit within both of them. And so this passage is one, this section is one that brings out the idea that God accomplishes his purpose in mission work and directs his church where he would have them to go. Also, this passage speaks about an issue that would often come up in the work of missions. And that is the idea that we baptize believers and their children. As you travel to different places, it's going to be very common that people are going to ask about that very question. In our churches, we're familiar with it. As we baptize our children, and we learn, and we have two Lord's Days on baptism, and a specific question and answer on Why do we baptize our children? And we talk a lot about the covenant and how baptism replaced circumcision. Many people, as you come into contact with them, and not only out on the mission field elsewhere, but as we in our own, here in, in this area, will often come across different people that have different views on this subject. Now, in this specific area, it's not as common. But in other areas, it's very, very common to run into those that you may come across those that will agree with what we teach about, what scriptures say about what we often call the tulip, the five points concerning salvation by grace alone, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and the preservation of the saints. You may come across some that agree with those, what as they're taught in our confession. Then they get to that subject of infant baptism. And they say, no, no, that's, God does not say that he was going to save every one of our children. And then we re- quickly respond and say, we're not saying that either. We don't say that. We don't say the scripture says. 
that God is going to save each and every one of them head for head. We don't say that. Yet God does make his covenant with believers and their seed, and then we explain what does that mean. And some of the passages we go to to prove it are right in Acts 16. Lydia, when she was baptized and her household. And then you get to the Philippian jailer and see something similar there. The Philippian jailer, very clearly a Gentile, and God says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. So this is a key passage. And also, of course, goes with the sacrament of baptism, which we have this morning. Then also from a practical point of view, what specifically is said about Lydia is that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Take some time to take note of that idea, being attentive to the word. It also brings out that the reason she was is because God had opened her heart. So salvation by grace alone is clearly taught here, but also that idea that we are to be attentive to the word. And also in our mission work, we take notice. We go from place to place, those who are attentive to the word of God, as Lydia, by the grace of God, was. So we consider this passage under the theme, Lydia and her house baptized. We consider, first of all, the attentive mother that's brought out here, and then also the statement that was made about the fact that her heart had been opened by God. Secondly, the administered sacrament. She was baptized and her household. And then lastly, the Christian hospitality. It specifically says that she besought us, wanting them to stay at her house. And it says that they did come into my house and abide there, and she constrained us. So we look at the Christian hospitality in the third place. Lydia and her house baptized. First of all, with regard to the fact that it was God's plan that this woman would hear the word of God. And he directed his servants to get there. They were thinking of going other places. We were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. In one direction, they weren't to go that direction. And then they say to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. So whether one direction or the other direction, that the Spirit said that that was not the direction they were to go. So instead of going to the left or the right, they keep going. They go straight towards Troas, and then they have what is referred to often as the Macedonian call that Paul does. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stands a man of Macedonia and says, come over to Macedonia and help us. And then they concluded that that meant they were to go there. Now this history is referred to in our confession. And it's in the canons of Dort, the third and fourth head, air number five. 
We speak against the idea that God on his part shows himself to reveal Christ unto all men. We, we speak against that idea that God on his part shows himself ready to reveal Christ unto all men since he applies to all sufficiently and efficiently the means necessary to conversion. We speak against that position. And then we refer to passages that speak of particular grace. Speak about how God made his will known to some. He showed his word unto Jacob, his statutes and his ordinances unto Israel. He hath not dealt so with any nation. And then as for his ordinances, they have not known them. That's Psalm 147, 19 and 20. And then one of the other passages that's cited is Acts 16, 6 and 7. That they were forbidden to go one direction and the other and the Spirit suffered them not. So that is quoted here. Over against the idea that God on his part shows himself ready to reveal Christ unto everyone. Particular grace. He desires to save some and he certainly will save all those he desires to save. And Lydia was among them. And so was the Philippian jailer. And God directs his servants to go there. Into the area we would refer to as Europe. The first journey of Paul, they didn't go this far. And Paul and Barnabas did not go into this region. From what we read in the, in the book of Acts. But this time they did, as directed by God. And Luke was with them. We see that in uh, verse 10. Immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, and we take note in the book of Acts at various times, you read the word they did this or they did that. Sometimes it says we did this. Paul, uh, Luke, inspired by the Spirit to write Acts, we take note when that word we appears, indicating that Luke, the physician, was also with them. And they come to Philippi, first to this island, Samothracia. Then they come to the port city, Neapolis. And then they come to Philippi. And often we read of him going into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, but we don't read of that here. Whether that indicates that there was none, we don't read that, that that's where they went. We, instead, we read that they went to this river where people went. They went to a place where people went to pray. And so they go there too. And they start talking to people. And specifically, there's a reference made to one person that they talked to. Lydia. Which was from Thyatira which was in Asia, actually. It was in a different, different area, a textile center in the province of Asia. That's where Thyatira was. And interestingly, then Thyatira is within a region called Lydia. So Lydia was from Thyatira, and Thyatira 
was in a region called Lydia. Now, whether that was part of the reason why she was referred to as that, because she was from that region, Lydia being a name here of a person, but also the name of a, of a place. Thyatira was said to be in northern Lydia in the province of Asia. And she sold either purple dye itself or purple dyed cloth. And that's when it says that she was a seller of purple, that that was a dye in cloth. And she was selling these things. And she's the first one we read of in Scripture in Europe who believed in the Lord Jesus. When we read of Paul's missionary journeys and coming to Europe, this is the first one we read of in the Scriptures. She gathers on the Sabbath, and there she is attentive when Paul speaks to her. So sometimes you read of Paul speaking to a group of people, standing up and speaking to a group of people. Here we read that he's talking to these women, that these women are there, and he talks to this woman, and this woman is attentive to what he says. Now, whether or not there were men there or not is... It specifically makes reference to the women. And the fact that there is going to be more said about Lydia. She, when they later on, we read of them going to her house. So more is going to be said about Lydia. And they make a specific God who is making known to us in the scriptures some points specifically about this woman. And one point about her. That is very clear. There are some questions on various subjects about her and uh, that sometimes people have different questions about what might have been the case with her. There are things that are definitely true and that is stressed here and that is that she was attentive to the word of God and that was because God had opened her heart that she attended to the word spoken. And that this passage is often quoted from the viewpoint of why is it that some pay attention when others don't? And the reason why some pay attention when the others don't is because God opens their heart. He opens the heart of some people, the ones whom he has chosen. He opens their heart, and then they're attentive to the word. And when the word is brought, many people are not attentive to the word. When you bring the word, many people are disinterested in our own personal witnessing. Often we see that. But then there are some who are attentive. And that word, that word that's translated attentive, is a word that has the idea of having or holding, is the main stem, with the preposition toward, having or holding toward. So holding one's mind toward what is being said is the idea that when somebody is speaking, you're focused on what is being said. And Lydia was that way. 
Even though these are, this is somebody she doesn't even know. And when he's explaining the word to her, she's attentive. Now we can apply that, on the one hand, we can apply that in the work of missions, that you take note that there are some that are attentive to the word, but we can apply that also to ourselves. This woman, this mother, was attentive to the word of God when it was being explained, having her mind toward it, not just having one's eyes forward, but actually inwardly grabbing a hold of being attentive to the word. Now, none of us is as to the degree we are. In fact, we may be for a while, and then we may find that something that's said or something that happens near us or whatever it may be or some idea that comes into our mind and all of a sudden we're distracted and we're thinking about something else for a while, and then all of a sudden we recognize, I don't even know what's been going, what's been talked about for the last few minutes because I, I was sidetracked. And then we, we recognize, I've got I to be attentive. Well, that's true of all of us. That's, that's true in the worship service from week to week. It's true when we read. We know that too. It's not only when you're sitting in church, but it can be when you read a passage and then you're done and you think, I don't even really know what I just read. You can read it. You can read it out loud. And not really know. We teach that also in catechism. At catechism, at every now and then, children read a verse in catechism. And talking about a certain subject, you say, okay, now let's read this verse. And you read the verse, and then the question is, okay, so how does that verse relate to what we were just talking about? And then the child looks at it for a second time, realizing that really the first time it was just more like concentrating on reading it. But now... What does it mean? Being attentive to the word. And how does it apply to me? Not just to others. To me. Lydia was attentive. She was a woman woman of God who was attentive to the word. She feared God. That specifically is made mention of and brings out that she was attentive to the word because God had opened her heart. This is a clear passage. Could talk about this at length, but we don't have time. But it's a very clear passage to the idea that man by nature would not listen to the word of God. His heart is closed. The fact that God opened her heart brings out that man's by nature, his heart is closed. And you can show him very clearly what the Bible teaches, and they will not be attentive to it. They don't want what it says. Man by nature does not. And then some do. Well, that's because God has opened their heart. Well, whose hearts does he open? the ones that he's unconditionally chosen. So the fact that man's heart is closed, that's T, that's the total depravity. The fact that some are opened and some are not, that the ones that are open are the ones he unconditionally chose. He didn't choose them because they would believe. It's the other way around. They believe 
because God chose them. And Christ died for them. That's limited atonement. He died for his sheep. And then the Spirit works in them. Irresistible grace works in them faith. And she's attentive to the word. And one who, that's the eye of irresistible grace. And somebody who believes will always be a believer. Will always be a child of God. We don't have perfect faith. And sometimes God's children, for a time, turn and walk in the way of sin. And God chastens us. But God preserves his people. She was attentive to the word. And it was all of God's grace. As Ezekiel 36, 26 says, A new heart also will I give you. God gave a new heart to Lydia. The canons speak of this. The third and fourth head, Article 11. He opens the closed and softens the hardened heart. That's what he did in Lydia. And we as parents are to be attentive to the word. That's the application to parents. Be a godly parent. A grandparent. We are to be attentive to the word. To teach it to our children, but it's also the case that our children should see that we're attentive. Not just that our eyes are forward, which is a good thing, but that it's evident to them that we're attentive to what God is saying. It says, The Lord opened her heart that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul, and what was spoken of Paul was the word of God. And that each one of us is to be attentive to the word that God is speaking to us. And to discuss it. What a wonderful blessing it is to marry when a couple is married in the Lord and they can, the children can see the parents talking about the things that God has talked to them about. Being attentive to the word. So also for all of us, none of us can say that we're as attentive as we ought to be. And certainly that's something for us to constantly pray about, to pray that the Lord would forgive us and also strengthen us to be more attentive to what he says. And then as far as the sacrament, Lydia believed and was baptized. And also... She certainly made known what she believed. So Lydia was showing herself to be a believer, one who confesses her faith in Jesus Christ, the only and complete Savior. And then she is baptized, and her household is baptized. Now, sometimes people say, but we don't, it doesn't say that there were infants explicitly. No, it doesn't say that, but 
even though we don't read of who, what were the ages of the children. The point that's clearly brought out here is that when somebody believes, their house was baptized. That's brought out both in, with Lydia, it doesn't say that all of them were of a certain age and had made confession of faith themselves, but it specifically says that the ones that were baptized were her household, rather than the idea that they were adults that were old enough and making confession of faith themselves. It makes a specific reference to her household, whatever the ages of those children were. And then with the Philippian jailer, it makes the same statement. In fact, it, you also have with the Philippian jailer that Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Can we say that? When we talk to people, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house, Paul and Silas did. And say, that is, that's the truth of the word of God. And then we read of, he was baptized, he and all his. The same idea, verse 33. So in two places in this passage, we have that idea. The children of believers are included in the covenant in the church of God. We see that also elsewhere in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 16. Where Paul says, I baptized also the household of Stephanas. So that the ones that were baptized were his household. And so there are specific references in other passages too, and not just this one that we, that we read of here. So what is the reason why we baptize children? Well, we say the... The short answer to that is that God's, they're included in the covenant and the church of God. And the promises to them, as well as to the adult. It's just, that's the simple answer we give. Children, God makes his covenant with believers and their children. Old Testament, New Testament, it's the same. One people of God. Both in the old and new dispensation, believing in the same Lord Jesus Christ, and both in the old dispensation and in the new, it was believers and their children. But both in the old and the new, it did, that did not mean that all of them head for head were elect <clears throat> children of God. That wasn't the case then. It's not the case now. They circumcised all the male infants. That didn't mean all of them were elect. That didn't mean that then we baptize our children today, male and female. That doesn't mean all of them are elect. All of them are members of the church institute. By baptism admitted to the Christian church. The idea is that all those that are baptized... They're all admitted into the Christian church. But that serves as an illustration that all those who receive the real baptism, the real cleansing, are members of the body of Christ consisting of all the elect. We baptize 
so we baptize our children. And then we're to instruct them. And in our vow, we make a reference to instructing our covenant children. And as we instruct the children, we're to talk to our children about sin, deliverance, and gratitude, just as the Heidelberg Catechism has it. That we talk to our children about their sin and also about their deliverance and also about how to express their gratitude. We talk to them about Christ's death and we talk to them about the Spirit's work. In the Heidelberg, it brings out those two aspects. Christ dying for them and the Spirit working in them. And that is key also to bring out to them this idea that's mentioned in this text. Why is it that some believe? Because the Spirit, God by his Spirit, opens the heart of his people. And to show them in your marriage, a godly marriage, and for them to see, for our children to see a godly marriage. Husbands who love, just like in the marriage form, who love, who instruct, who comfort and protect, that they see a father that is not selfish, who's not cruel, a father who shows he cherishes his wife and that they can see that, that they see how much their dad loves their mother, sees it in the way he talks to her and the way he treats her and the way he listens to her. And the woman as the marriage form says, how she is to carry herself towards her husband and talks about being submissive in love for God and showing she loves her husband and showing it in the way she speaks to him and about him and how the two work together, how they're attentive to the word and then they teach the children to be attentive to the word, and then they'll notice as you have, if the Lord grants you more children, there's times when you notice that there may be one that tends to be more attentive, although everybody has their times when they're not, and there may be others that you have that you're working more with them to be attentive to the word. As you have it at devotion time. And you've seen that in your you know, families that have a number of children see at devotion time. You have devotions and you talk about the word. There may be some that openly discuss the word more freely than others and others that you've got to work more toward, get, not only getting them to discuss, but for them to know what we're talking about. And then bringing out, now we all need to be attentive here to what God is saying to us. 
And children, and this is a key point, children would not be attentive. The children here would not be attentive to the word if God had not opened their heart. The idea that God performs his work of grace, as is symbolized in the sacrament, that he does it also in our children, even in our young children, they wouldn't be attentive. For real, if God didn't work in their heart, then what a comfort it is, what baptism signifies, that God makes his covenant with us and our children, and also in them he opens the hearts of his elect people that they're attentive to what you say when you're bringing the word of God. It's all of the grace of God. We have fellowship with our children. The fact that God has made his covenant with us and our children means that we and our children together can have fellowship together. And we do. It's very sad when a child goes astray. And there are those times. And we as church and churches, all God's people, wherever they are, have that sadness too. We're very thankful for the work of the Spirit in that line of generations when we see that. And we're to thank the Lord for that and to praise his name. And finally, very briefly, concerning the Christian hospitality, here bringing out the idea that it's not just simply being able to talk about what the word says, but also showing it in one's life. Both ideas are important. That we're able to talk about and learn and grow and discuss what God's word says, and we're attentive to it and we talk about it, but then in our daily life, we show we're, we're trusting in the Lord and we're listening to what he tells us. It says Lydia constrained them. That, that word has the idea of urging strongly. Sometimes my person may offer to do something, but they would quickly accept a, a decline if the person was to decline. In this case, some, they were urged strongly so they went there. It was God's will that they would stay with Lydia. And then undoubtedly they would have had more time to talk with them too. Talk with her there too. And then later when he goes, when we read on about the Philippian jailer, we read about how they were thrown into jail and then they meet the Philippian jailer and all that. When then when they were released out of prison, it says they entered into the house of Lydia. That's at the end of the chapter. Being in prison in Philippi, and when they were released, they entered into, they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. They came back there. And then the whole congregation there in Philippi. Now, very quickly, we read of this congregation in Philippi. And one thing that was characteristic of the congregation at Philippi was how they gave. They, they, 
they showed concern for Paul. He said, no church, he said this to the Philippians, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Even in, Thessalonica, even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Once and again, you sent that I might have what I need unto my necessity. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. You read this in Philippians 4. That this is what characterized the church in Philippi, where Lydia was. Later when we read of a church being organized there. And the application there is for us to also apply it in our lives where others can see that we show concern not just for our family but for others outside even others we do not even know hospitality has that idea of loving strangers even somebody you don't know somebody that's coming from from somewhere else perhaps and you show concern for them. And in this day when there is just so much selfishness, people are lovers of their own selves rather than lovers of God, how important it is that we show genuine love to others. And we show concern for people as we come into contact with them. Lydia was one who showed Christian hospitality. And our desire is that we too be characterized by that. Trusting that God himself will supply all our needs. And indeed that's what he said to the Philippians, Paul. My God shall supply all your need. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. May the Lord strengthen us. May the Lord be with us and our children. May we show our thankfulness to God for the work of his spirit within us and within our children, even our little children, sanctified in Christ. And may we together encourage one another to be attentive to the word and showing in a life of gratitude our thankfulness for all that God has done for us and all his people. Amen. Let us pray. O oh Lord, our God and our Father, we are thankful, O oh Lord, for thy grace and mercy, thankful for the grace thou dost give to us and to our covenant children, thankful for the grace thou dost give to thy people in all nations. May we together in these last days in which many reject thy word, may we be attentive, may we continue to learn, and may we show our gratitude to thee and walk closely with thee. Grant this grace to us, Grant it to our children and bless thy people wherever they may be. For Christ's sake, amen.